Last summer, two of my good friends came to visit me from California, and so I decided to give them a tour of New York City to show them all the major attractions and to treat them to some good old-fashioned Korean barbecue. Now, as we were driving through the city, we kept seeing these public buses with a large banner across it with the word evil. My friends and I were horrified as we kept seeing bus after bus with the word evil running all over the city. Later on, I found out that the banner was an advertisement to promote an upcoming TV series called Evil. But there was something really unsettling about seeing the word evil out in broad daylight. You see, evil is very real and present in our world. And just like those buses that I saw running all over the city, evil has run rampant throughout human history as a result of sin. And in today's text, we're going to see that in times of evil and injustice, God is on the move, working behind the scenes. And he often uses his people to be the ones to confront that evil. The story of Esther is not your typical fairy tale, but it is one of incredible risk, courage, and sacrifice. About a hundred years after the Babylonian exile, some of the Jews decided that they were going to return to Jerusalem, but many decided to remain in their current cities. Among them was Esther, a young Jewish woman who lived in the capital city of Susa, where she becomes the next queen of ancient Persia. Now imagine with me for a moment that you are a Jew residing in Susa during this time. You're trying to rebuild your life after your exile, and you just want to live amongst your foreign neighbors in peace. However, there's a problem. A man named Haman is in political power, and he is bent on destroying the Jewish people. Haman was an Agagite, a descendant of the Amalekites who were longtime enemies of the Jews. And somehow, Haman manages to get approval from the king to get issue a decree to destroy all Jewish people on a given date. This was racial and religious discrimination at its extreme. Now, the Jews of Susa were a minority group. They had no voice, no power, and simply no way of changing the outcome of this evil decree. And so they wore sackcloth and ashes and mourned as if their lives were already over. Now, have you ever had moments when you felt powerless in the face of evil? There are times when just looking at the news and seeing what's happening in our nation and in our world can make us feel like evil is rampant, especially when we see its devastating effects around us. And while God's presence may not always be so obvious in those moments, God is sovereign and he is moving behind the scenes. Now, what is really unique about the story of Esther is that God's name is not mentioned a single time in the entire book. But if you read the whole story, you can see his fingerprints everywhere as he orchestrates events leading up to the deliverance of his people. God was moving behind the scenes, but initially, Esther was reluctant to move. You see, as a queen, she was positioned in a place of privilege and wealth that shielded her from the cares and concerns of the world. She was completely oblivious to the evil that was happening just outside of her home. And it wasn't until it impacted someone she loved, her cousin Mordecai, 
who was really more like her father figure, that finally caught her attention. And you would think that as soon as she found out, she would jump in to help, right? But initially, she was hesitant. You see, at the time, Persian law stated that anyone who approached the king without being summoned was subject to death, unless the king held out his golden scepter to spare their life. Esther realized that convincing the king was no ordinary task. She had not been summoned by the king for 30 days and would be risking her life just to approach him. At that moment, Esther was relying on the favor of man, not on the favor of God as her means of deliverance. She was looking at her own abilities, her own reputation, instead of looking to God who had the power to move the hearts of earthly kings. Have you ever had moments in your life when you relied in your own knowledge and resources to fight evil? While we're tempted to fight evil in our own power, God in his goodness and mercy reminds us that only he alone has the power to deliver us from evil. Read with me what Mordecai says to Esther in chapter 4, verse 14. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Mordecai's response was very different from Esther's. His trust didn't lie in a person. It wasn't dependent on whether or not Esther would act, but he trusted in God as his deliverer. He knew that even though things looked really bad and it appeared as if evil was winning, God would ultimately come through and save his people from annihilation. And sometimes, that's all it takes, a word spoken in faith which inspires us to act. Mordecai's faith-filled words move Esther's heart as she responds in verses 15 to 17. Go and gather all the Jews to be found in Susa and hold a fast on my behalf and do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my young women will also fast as you do. Then I will go to the king, though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Mordecai then went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him. Now there is something really significant about Esther's course of action. Her weapon of choice against the enemy was to fast and pray. That might sound like an unusual strategy against attempted genocide, don't you think? I mean, for most of us, if an enemy attacked us, we would want to retaliate instead of going to prayer. As humans, we're tempted to fight power with power, but instead, Esther took this meek and humble approach. She recognized that the battle she was facing was not merely a physical battle, but a spiritual one. She realized that she couldn't fight the battle in her own human zeal or strength, but she needed to go directly to the one who had the power to overcome all evil. Her posture of fasting and prayer shows us that she was totally dependent on God. And it was during that time that God began to unfold his master plan to rescue the Jews 
from Haman's scheme. Another thing that's really significant is the length of the fast. Now, throughout the Bible, the period of three days often symbolized transition from death to life. And in some ways, Esther's three-day fast was a foreshadowing of Jesus' three-day journey on the cross. Similar to Esther, Jesus also laid down his life to conquer evil. But this time, it wasn't to just rescue the Jews alone, but it was to save all mankind. Jesus became our greatest intercessor and delivered us from sin and death, the root of all evil. Now, as I've been thinking about Esther and the courage that it took for her to face evil, it got me to think about the current evils of our time. And while there are many that I could name at the top of my head today, in the light of the Super Bowl, I'd like to raise awareness about a current evil that's happening in our own backyards. Tonight, as many of us will be gathered around our television to join several hundred thousand fans who will be cheering for their teams at the Hard Rock Stadium in Miami, hundreds of traffickers will be just outside the stadium and across U.S. cities to make money by exploiting their victims. The Super Bowl, along with other major sporting events, have been known to attract thousands of tourists, most of whom are men. And a huge influx of visitors increases the odds of people willing to purchase sex and gives organized crime an opportunity to make a significant amount of money in a short amount of time. Last year, 169 arrests were made during the Super Bowl in Atlanta. Human trafficking is not just a problem in the Super Bowl, but it is a problem 365 days a year in communities all across the country, even in ours. Because of the I-95 and I-91 corridors between Boston and New York, Connecticut is prime grounds for trafficking. You can see it in the rest stops, the hotels, the strip clubs, massage parlors, just to name a few. Just last year, there was a bust of an illicit massage parlor right here in Greenwich. Human trafficking is an injustice that affects millions of people all over the world, and 98% of those victims are women and children. It is one of the fastest growing crime industries worldwide, generating $150 billion per year. And it was the lure of money that convinced Todd to become a pimp. But what was really unusual about Todd's background was that he grew up in a Christian home. His father was a successful doctor. Both his parents were around. He had access to everything he needed. But as a young child, Todd was abused by a caretaker. And that shame prevented him from ever telling his parents. As he got older, that shame turned into anger and rage, and he began to act out in violence. He experimented with alcohol and drugs to numb the pain he was feeling on the inside, and he was completely hooked. It wasn't long until Todd met an older boy in school who was a pimp, who took him under his wing and taught him 
the ins and out of the sex industry. Todd learned how to lure and manipulate young girls to work for him. And because sex was so distorted to him at such a young age, he didn't think that what he was doing was wrong. To him, these girls were simply means of sustaining a habit and a lifestyle. Over the next several years, Todd kept going into, in and out of prison because he was getting trouble at the law. And it wasn't until he hit rock bottom and was charged with attempted murder that finally forced Todd to reassess his life. After serving his sentence, he was released from prison and he decided that he was gonna go back to his hometown. And just like the prodigal son, his parents embraced him with loving arms. Well, it had turned out that his father had been praying for Todd for over 20 years, pleading with God to turn him around. After many years of prayer, it was when he finally surrendered his son to God that he witnessed a miracle. When Todd came home, he was so grieved by the wrong that he had committed. He felt like he was so corrupt and tainted with sin and that he could never be forgiven for the horrific things that he had done to people. But then one winter morning, as he looked outside, he saw the pure white snow covering the earth, and he heard God say, I can make you as white as snow. And he gave his life to Jesus. Now, I share Todd's story with you today because in human trafficking, it is both the perpetrator and the victim who are enslaved. While it's easy to point the finger on men who are often the ones to use and exploit these women, men are also bound. Both genders are victims of deep sexual brokenness as a result of sin. But the good news is that Jesus has come to set the captives free. He has the power to heal both the perpetrator and the victim. His blood can cleanse us from all of the things that we've done and can restore both men and women so that we can live lives reflecting the purity and the holiness of God, the way we were created to be. You know, I believe that we as the church are God's chosen instrument for confronting evil. But in order to do that, we have to first submit to God. Before we act, we must pray. Just like Esther who fasted and prayed, we need to recognize that we can't fight evil in our own human strength. But it is only God who has the power to overcome evil. And as we lean on God, he will give us the strategies we need to confront evil and injustice then we must be willing to risk and move outside of our comfort zones. For some of us, it may mean learning more about issues like human trafficking and supporting those who are already on the front lines. Most of you know that Elizabeth Bulbul, who is the founder of PET, the Partnership to End Human Trafficking, is right here in our own congregation. You can feel free to talk to her at any time or visit pet.org to find out how you can join the fight right here in Fairfield County. But for others of us, it might mean taking an honest look 
at our own lives to see where we might be contributing to this epidemic. The reason why human trafficking is a multi-billion dollar industry is because it is fueled by high demand for prostitution. If we could eliminate the demand, we could eliminate human trafficking. Men of God, we need you to join in on the fight. Most often it's the women who are on the front lines addressing this issue, but it is impossible to end this injustice without you. God created you to be the defenders and the protectors of women, God's precious daughters. If you or someone you know is part of that demand, there is help for you. Please come and see one of the pastors and we can direct you to a resource that can help you. Please know that there is no condemnation in God's house because we're all broken people here in need of a savior. And God is willing to meet with us where we are. Church, we are here for such a time as this. Your life, your story, your experiences, where you live, where you work, none of that is coincidence. But God has called all of us to be here, to be part of this Christ-centered community for his greater purpose. Now, evil may be around us, but God is on the move, and he's inviting us to move. And just as Esther laid down her life, and as Jesus laid down his life, let us lay down our lives so that the light of Christ can triumph over darkness. Amen. Amen.